Welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. This is a dirty little podcast that will never be included in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes. Dirty Harry, Dirty Grandpa, Dirty Dozen, Dirty Weekend, Dirty Pretty Things, lots of dirty movies to choose from here. Do you like dirty movies? It's been a dirty day doing dirty work, digging in the dirt in a dirty old town with dirty rotten bastards doing dirty deeds done dirt cheap for dirty cash. And now I've got a dirty mind, I need a dirty woman, a dirty little thing called Dirty Dad. Diana with a dirty little secret for some dirty love to talk dirty to me. (coughs) Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a 1988 comedy film directed by Frank Oz, starring Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Lawrence Jameson is an intelligent and sophisticated British con artist on the French Riviera, seducing wealthy and morally suspect women and stealing their money. He meets small-time hustler Freddie Benson. Lawrence involves Freddie in his cons, asking him to play the part of a mentally challenged and socially inept brother called Rupert. Oklahoma, Oklahoma! Dirty Dancing is a 1987 romantic drama dance film starring Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey in lead roles. Dirty Dancing became a box office hit, but was also the first film to sell more than a million copies on home video. But this film is not for straight men. Even if you like Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars, and I do, I like an Argentinian tango, that complex footwork does it for me. It's not about love, it's passion, it's heat, it's grittier, it's dirtier. I follow a program of recovery in which men and women have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I carry a book written by early pioneers who created a roadmap to lead other sufferers out of alcoholism. My name is Simon. I'm an alcoholic. Talk dirty to me. Gee, listen to this podcast in bed. You've been having some trouble sleeping. He was two years and six months sober. from Wales listened to the podcast on the toilet. He was home alone but he still locked the door. He was nine years sober. And I have cleverly called this podcast Dirty Pig. Hello friends. Do you feel clean? Are you washing properly? Are you keeping your side of the street clean? I hope you are. Welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. My name is Simon. I'm an alcoholic. I know exactly what your side of the street looks like because I've got Google Maps. And talking of maps, a big welcome to our new listeners from Mexico. We're not building any walls to keep you guys out. We love the bones of you. And if you're ever passing... Drop in for tea and biscuits, bring some tacos, let's do brunch, and let's change the world, you and me, Mexicans. This episode is called Dirty Pig, and you know why. Ask a recovering alcoholic what it was like getting into a dirty bed and being a dirty drunk. Then ask the same recovering alcoholic what it's like now. To get into a clean bed, feeling clean and sober. This is us at our most beautiful, head hitting the pillow, feeling like a winner. When did we ever appreciate clean bed linen before? 
No hangover to worry about in the morning. Things might be bad, but Jesus, it could have been so much worse with a drink. The alcoholic knows what dirty is. And it's not just poor hygiene. Poor hygiene is one of the signs of alcoholism for some people. When alcohol becomes priority in the individual's life, sometimes the basic priorities like hygiene become less important. An alcoholic may ignore proper hygiene, may wear unkempt clothing, not wash, may not keep up with facial and hair grooming because alcohol has become more important. Jesus, sometimes we didn't even bother eating. How do you expect us to have good hygiene? And you try brushing your teeth with the jitters or shaving when you can't even control your hands. Sometimes when a newcomer enters an AA meeting room, you can just tell by looking at them. But it's not just our hygiene that's making us dirty, is it? Trust God, clean house, help others. Dr. Bob said this, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we've not talked enough about Dr. Bob, and we should have done. What can I say? I'm an ex-drunk, I'm not a saint, and I'm not perfect. There are some personal stories at the back of the big book. And Dr. Bob's Nightmare is the first of those stories. Read it. I say back of the book. These stories are really inspirational and take up the majority of the book. Dr. Bob's story is the first one. Dr. Bob, brought up in a respectable neighbourhood, intelligent parents, churchgoers, he's educated. But Dr. Bob is one of us. He fell in love with alcohol at college. He drank as much as he could afford to. His alcoholism got worse. He tortured himself with alcohol. Fear of not sleeping, so he drank. Fear of running out of drink, so he worked to drink. He used sedatives, he hid it from his wife, he hid it from himself. He earned money, he bought drink, hid drink, drank drink, hid empty drink. Hospitals, sanitariums, disgraced himself repeatedly. Robert Holbrook-Smith, born in 1879, took his last drink on the 10th of June 1935. And that is considered to be the founding date of Alcoholics Anonymous. Dr. Bob died in 1950 after 15 years of uninterrupted sobriety. But it was in 1935 Dr. Bob met Bill W. Who was at that time struggling with his own alcoholism. The two immediately became close friends with Bill W. showing Dr. Bob how he, with spiritual help, was finally able to recover from the effects of alcoholism. It's one alcoholic helping another. They started AA, they found some other hopeless drunks, saved their asses too, wrote a book, Bob's your uncle, Uncle Dr. Bob. There's a picture of him with Bill W in one of my regular meeting rooms. I know the background of these two men. They are not saints. This is not a picture of Jesus. I do not feel the need to kneel in front of this picture. I do, however, give it a cheeky wink. In fairness, I do that with pictures of Jesus too. And now I've just offended the Mexicans. Bloody Catholics. Gee. Dr. Bob said, trust God, clean house, help others. 
Trust God, I get. Help others, I get. Clean house. What does this mean? In AA, one of the sayings is, keep your side of the street clean. It's usually applied to situations where we don't want to let others' behaviour derail our sobriety and our journey through the steps. We don't want a dirty side of the street. We want to be able to walk out of our houses, our apartments, our caravans, our palaces and not feel ashamed, fearful, angry, resentful. We've got to keep things simple, tidy. We need a clear path and a clean side of the street. But prior to getting help, we most likely caused a large amount of damage, let's be honest. As well as acquiring a huge amount of resentment towards ourselves and towards others. And we want to be rid of all of that, all of that horrible stuff, the guilt and the shame. We've got to clean house because it's dirty in there. Clean house, no resentments, no grudges, no judgments, no criticisms, no jealousies, no anger, etc. I know for me that when my house is clean, it makes me feel good. And if my head is clean and I don't feel dirty, it makes me feel good. And I want my alcoholic friends to feel good, especially the Mexicans after I've just upset them. So, I think you know what time it is. It's been time for a long time. Thoroughly wash your hands both sides. Have a quick swill of some mouthwash. This is a special occasion. Get the jammy dodgers. It's time to have a look in the book. Have a quick look in the book. Okay, settle down. I hope you did wash your hands before eating the jammy dodgers. I love jammy dodgers. They used to be bigger and have more jam in, but I still love them. They've started doing a jammy dodgers mini lunch pack with three little jammy dodgers in one little pack. But what's the point in having three little jammy dodgers when you can have three big ones? Okay, it's not as healthy, but it's a bit of jam and f***ing biscuit at the end of the day. You used to drink through oblivion. Don't start pointing your fingers at me. What, are you cured all of a sudden? Are you some sort of health freak? The only reason you've got no biscuits is because you've eaten them all, you dirty fat bastard. Page 63, bottom of the page. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Bill W, Dr. Bob and the pioneers are setting us up for something quite unpleasant. It's time to get our hands dirty with step four. And we don't want to. You could have a sneaky peek at page 65 at this point and see what's coming. And even a quick glance at this is off-putting. We are about to start upon a personal inventory. And this is step four. 
we're about to take some actions. We've made a decision at step three to hand the steering wheel over to a higher power, a handover to the care of God as we understood it. Quite what the agnostics did or what they handed over to, I couldn't give a shit anymore. Some people go cycling without a helmet, don't they? Some people have unprotected sex. I'm not talking about you, Mexicans. The thing is, you can still enjoy cycling and you can still enjoy sex and not get AIDS. I'm not sure that sounded right. Thing is, if you're going to do the steps, step four is an action step. And you need a sponsor. We're about to start upon a personal inventory. And this is step four. We're about to take some action and you need a sponsor. But I'm not doing the sponsor episode until next episode, episode 20, which I have cleverly called Misery Guts. This is why you need a sponsor. Shared experiences. They offer hope. They offer a shoulder to cry on. There's accountability. They give you a steer. Provide motivation. You can avoid relapse. And you can make a long-term friend. I can't speak highly enough about my sponsor. And your sponsor will tell you that it is pointless to make a decision to turn your life and your will over to a higher power without clearing the path. To allow some sunshine into that dirty mind of yours. Do you remember how slow the internet used to be? Before we all got broadband and YouTube and Netflix and even iTunes. It was crap speed, dirty internet. And if you don't clear the path and do this stuff, you're going to have crap speed, dirty internet connection to a higher power. I made that one up, that's good. Middle of page 64, it says, We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. Is it? It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore, we burned up. On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? And there is an example underneath. And rather than read that list that was created in 1939, in the next episode, episode 20, Misery Guts, 
we'll be looking at my list. Jesus. But the book is suggesting that we go back through our lives and nothing counts but thoroughness and honesty. And when we have completed that list, we consider it carefully. In the past, we concluded that it was others that were wrong. And the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. In the middle of page 66, it says, It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harbouring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So these resentments must be mastered. Things are taking space up in our head, rent free. And these things are killing us. So we put them to paper and have a good look at them. And we'll be doing that next episode, episode 20, Misery Guts. It's a premium episode. It's 1999. Click subscribe on the website with your credit card handy. I'm joking. But seriously, get yourselves a sponsor and hold on tight. I saw my sponsor last night. His cat had scratched him. I got bored at a meeting this week. Hard to describe, but I could describe the colour. It was grey and brown. People shared for 20 minutes. And I can't actively listen for 20 minutes. Some of the dullest people in the world sharing for 20 minutes. Far worse than me. And then someone shared that was clearly not an alcoholic because she could moderate her drinking. So f**k off and moderate somewhere else, you crazy bitch. And there was someone bragging about how much money they'd made in sobriety. And that was really helpful to those of us that are struggling. Some dude decides to come in drunk and that's not f**king helping anyone. Fortunately, he leaves at half time. And it was just miserable and dull 
And I'm sat there thinking, I'm going to have to say something here because people will go home and slash their wrists after this one. So it's down to me to inject some energy into the group. A bloke after the meeting said, it's good to have you back, Simon. And I'm like, you're not kidding, Jesus. I hear a lot of AA speaker tapes. There's a really good website called XA Speakers. There's a link to it on my website if you like that sort of thing. It's a massive database of idiots with more knowledge and experience than me sharing experience, strength and hope. I love it. But you hear audiences getting excited about sobriety and cheering and laughing. It's the polar opposite of what I experienced at the dull meeting. If I'd been a newcomer at this meeting, I'm not sure I'd have returned. This must be part of the reason why they say keep coming back and your second meeting is so much more important than your first. I want sometimes to shake up British AA. I love it, but we need to stop being so British sometimes. Honestly, if the same newcomer was in the meeting that I've just come back from, they would have come back. It was amazing. It's hit and miss sometimes. And I talked to my sponsor about it and he said, you need to remember step one. And he tried to sound like Morgan Freeman when he said it. So I'm walking around thinking step one, step one, step one. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. My life has had become unmanageable. Yep, I know. How is this helping me? And I've got Misery Guts's voice like a mantra in my head. You need to remember step one. You need to remember step one. Use the force, Luke. What? I'm glad I've got a sponsor. But I think he does things to get me to run home and get my book out and see if there's anything I've missed. And I do. And it's beneficial to read the book. And looking at step one, I am an alcoholic. I know what an alcoholic is. My life was unmanageable, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I haven't wanted or needed a drink and that suits me just fine. And the more I go to these meetings, no matter how dull they are sometimes, it happens, the more I distance myself from that fatal first drink. Step one, I'm an alcoholic, clever bugger. Maybe your sponsor is a clever bugger too. I sat next to him at a meeting this week and he still looks at me directly in the eyes. I think he's looking for signs that I've been drinking or that I'm hiding something. Well, there's a bit of a podcast going on, but other than that, he knows everything. And he does a good job of helping keep me sober. And I am grateful. And you can contact me, alcoholicominous at gmail.com or have a look at the website alcoholicominous.com I'm on Twitter with no followers and I'm on YouTube with no followers and no good will come of these things but I've got a clever piece of software that tells me exactly how many people are listening to this podcast 
how you doing Mexico? And that cheers me right up. I'm also finding that the increasing popularity of this podcast is having a little bit of an impact in iTunes. When you type in the word alcoholic on iTunes, I'm beginning to show a little bit. And together, Alcoholic Ominous Podcast listeners, we will make it to the new and noteworthy section of iTunes and Apple Podcasts. God bless you all. as a practicing alcoholic. It's really not that difficult to look at what was inside my dirty mind. A typical day at the office. I park the car and walk to the office and it's cold and grey and it's a big ugly building in the centre of a poor neighbourhood and there's a girl crying in reception. She always cries. It's what she does. She goes to reception and she cries. And then I open the door to a large office. Hundreds of people talking and typing as quickly as possible because they are all being monitored on their productivity. They hate the job. And I walk to my desk and there's my boss, a woman who is an alcoholic. She has a man's haircut and a face that no one could love. She chews gum and she looks angry. And I've pretended to like her. I'm trying a new approach. But she doesn't smile. She hates everyone as much as I do. I get to my desk and I look at my team. And I like some of them. But others just let me down persistently. My team does a difficult job. It's the job they get paid a bit extra for because no one wants to do the job. And when they can't do it, they pass it to me, and it gets difficult for me. I do not crack the whip. I give them a break because it's soul-destroying to do this job. And they give me a break because they know I give them a break. And the office has its usual people, some pretending to enjoy themselves, and they usually get promoted and then struggle. And people who got lucky and do the enjoyable jobs. I'd like to see them doing my job. The senior management, they're good at writing a lot of emails and filling their Outlook calendars, but they don't do much. And the men who would normally be working in factories. But Britain doesn't manufacture anything anymore. So they are forced to sit in front of computers with telephones and they struggle. The women who life has been unfair to doing the same task over and over, waiting to go home and smile again. Noisy photocopiers, loud phones, scoreboards at the end of the office telling everyone today's figures. This is my life. This is what I do every day. And I'm stuck here. And when you're doing this shit with alcoholism, you don't have a prayer.
what you do have is alcohol. And you can't drink in the workplace. Everyone is so tightly packed in that you couldn't even try to hide it. You start clock watching from the time you sit down. And this is your life. You can't change anything because it pays the bills. And you have to live like this. So I look forward to drinking. This organisation gives me nothing to look forward to. Its objective is to get everything online and put these people out of work or offshore it to India because it's cheaper. That's how valuable you are to this organisation and what you do have is alcohol. The only thing guaranteed today is that alcohol will lift me. Give me a feeling of ease and comfort and I know that this will kill me but you've got to be realistic. Dirty office, dirty job, dirty day. But I've got a drink waiting at home. And without that, I really am screwed. Does that sound familiar? If you had my life, you would drink. How the hell do I even start to clean up and let some sunshine in? Is it alcoholism that tried to kill me? Or is it that dirty place? And that is why it's so difficult to even think about recovery. To even think about putting the drink down. Alcohol works. Jesus. Resentment. So, my resentment today is big organisations that take the jobs offshore because it's cheaper. It's the lowest common denominator. Men and women now do the jobs that even the offshore countries don't want. And we've made people miserable. It's a dirty tactic that makes the rich richer. And someone started the ball rolling. Someone said, hang on, I can make more money if this is done elsewhere. F*** these people, they are not important. And he or she became richer. I know it's just business, but everybody had to follow suit. Couldn't be competitive. And money is more important than people. At some point, we stop caring about people. I can't even make a comedy joke about this resentment because there's nothing funny about it. But it is a resentment. It's on the list. Fortunately, I have many apologies to make this week. Which will ensure that my show achieves its intended timing of 37 minutes. Mexico, I'm still getting to know you. I'm going to stop messing up and learn to value your offshore interest. I am sorry. Crazy bitches who share at meetings and do not have alcoholism. I'm sorry. The only requirement for membership 
is a desire to stop drinking. Maybe cut your share down to five minutes though. These people are suffering. Drunks in meetings. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. I'm sorry. Misery guts. Sorry about the cat scratching you. Bill W, Dr. Bob and Jesus. I just worship you all in different ways. I'm sorry. Alcoholic ex-boss. I'm in no position to diagnose your alcoholism. I'm sorry. And girl crying in reception. If I'd have seen you today, I would have talked to you. You caught me in the middle of practicing alcoholism. And I'm sorry. And to that neighborhood where I used to work, it's looking a damn sight better than it did, but it's still not good enough, but I'm sorry. And I wish to remind everyone that whatever I have said in this podcast expresses my own individual opinion as of today and up to this moment. I do not speak for AA, and you are free to agree or disagree as you see fit. In fact, it is suggested that you pay no attention to anything that is not in the AA big book. And if you don't have a big book, it's time you bought one. Read it, study it, live with it, loan it, scatter it and learn from it. If you are suffering with alcoholism, pick up the phone, find a meeting, tell the first person you see you don't know what the you're doing. And because of offshoring, I am available for weddings, functions, public relations, editorial and commercial assignments. My name is Simon. I am an alcoholic. You can contact me, alcoholicominous at gmail.com or via the website anonymously, alcoholicominous.com. Book early. New and noteworthy podcasts in the health category within iTunes. Neo Fit with Coach Thatch. Better optimize yourself at every level in order to build your most uniquely powerful life. I don't like the sound of Coach Thatch. Alt-Delete with Emma Gannon. I interview people I admire about the themes in my book, Control-Alt-Delete. She's selling you a book. Then Friska Vargen, Varg och Frich. Ida Varg and Victor Frisk. I don't know where they come from. I actually reviewed this podcast loved every minute of this that's bargain frisk sleep with soothing voices sleep with silk that podcast is to sleep to it's noteworthy and it sends you to sleep what does that tell me about my podcast strip cast true stories from a stripper with a phd Dirty bitch. Mother, wife, business owner, former university instructor and lifelong stripper. She's got kids. Unbelievable. Learn 
True Health with Ashley James. Learn True Health was created for you, the health enthusiast. Not me. I drank to oblivion. Optimal Finance Daily. How the hell has that got into health? I press the health button. 10% happier with Dan Harris. Dan Harris is a fidgety, skeptical ABC newsman who had a panic attack on Good Morning America. He had the fidgets. Jesus. The Misha Tate Show. Professional UFC fighter Misha Tate goes beyond the octagon. Hey, let's be careful out there.